0: This is a Dude Studios production, and hey, I'm the Dude. Back in the day when I was a bartender and server, I never used to eat right. I would generally skip breakfast. I would, uh, you know, grab lunch if there was time, and if I if there was time, there was very little of it, and just grab some french fries or something uh, just really quick. And then usually when I got home, I was too tired to eat. And I've only found out just recently that that's bad for me because I still continue that sort of thing to this day. That's why I'm going to tell you guys about Raw Rev. Raw Rev is a nutrition bar that has high-quality plant-based proteins, no soy or whey proteins, nutrition and diet-conscious ingredients, health proteins, fats and fiber, nothing artificial. Real organic dark chocolates and raw superfoods, most delicious and satisfying. And... They're great. I keep one of these things in my back, uh, backpack wherever I go, just in case you got a little, get a little bit hungry and can't really stop for anything or nothing is good nearby. They've got flavors like creamy peanut butter and sea salt. They've got peanut butter and dark chocolate and sea salt. They've got double chocolate brownie batter, birthday cake, and more. Go check out Raw Rev's Protein Bars. The link is available in the description of the podcast. Raw Rev. No bad stuff. No kidding.
1: Hey bartender, hey bartender. pass me a drink. Pass me a drink. The reason that I'm here, the reason that I'm here is I need time to think.
2: All, all the ways of the, the world, world. All
0: Hey, welcome back, people, to part two of the 200th episode of Hey, Bartender Podcast. So this is technically episode 201, but, you know, who's counting? Me, because I would just say 200, 201. It it only makes sense. I mean, it's isn't as intelligent as that Rebecca Black song, Friday. I mean, she basically names off the days of the week. I mean, uh, did she have a kindergartner uh, cousin or something like that help her with the lyrics on that one? Uh, Anyway, I shouldn't be talking shit. Nah, no, I should. Maybe just encourage her a little bit to try a little bit harder with the lyrics next time. But I shouldn't make fun because I I don't write music. And um, probably never will. I mean, that one dude that wrote Watermelon Sugar, just that catchphrase alone, he's probably got a couple bucks on him. Uh, So, you know, good for him. You just got to find that good catchphrase for a song, I guess, sometimes. Hey, speaking of watermelon, uh, actually, it's not the uh, that watermelon sugar thing. That isn't the reason why I thought of watermelon uh, drinks. Uh, it's summer. It's August. You know, we're uh, it's getting towards the end of August. Kids are going back to school. And, you know, I just decided I wanted to try something with watermelon, mostly because of an Instagram uh, video I saw of a girl crushing one between her legs. But that's not the point. Calm down. Anyway. This is called a watermelon margarita. Now, th- uh, this is going to be a blended drink. Sorry, guys. I know how much we hate blenders. But it's a frozen drink, and it sounds like it's pretty uh, pretty fucking cool. Now, uh, the recipe requires a little bit of forethought, according to delish.com. Chop up some fresh watermelon, throw it in the freezer the night before you make the margaritas. This ensures that the drinks are perfectly slushy and ice cold. If you forget, don't fret. Two hours in the freezer should do the trick. Uh, With a drink like this, we think the garnishes are just as important as the cocktail itself. You can rim the glass with salt and garnish with mini watermelon slices and lime, or you can just... All out rim the glass with a mixture of sh- sugar and citric acid, garnished with watermelon sour candies, for a sweet sour twist. So, what you're going to need to make this, first of all, for the rim, you need two teaspoons of kosher salt. You know, with, psh, you don't. I don't need to tell you guys that because we have that little tray that we dip in the lime syrup and then we uh, put it in the. But you're uh, for the rim. You're going to need salt and sugar. Uh, and a lime wedge. So, uh, the ingredients for the drink go as follows. Four cubes of chopped watermelon, a half, a, uh, one quarter ounce of lime juice, one half ounce of silver tequila, one half ounce of tri- uh, triple sec, uh, four watermelon slices for garnish, and four lime rounds for garnish. That may be overkill. It might be look like that drink in Wayne's World. Anyway, uh, directions go as follows. Place the watermelon on a large baking sheet and freeze until hardened for at least two hours. Combine salt, sugar, and lime zest on a small plate and stir to combine. Use a lime wedge to wet the rim of the margarita glass and then drip the rims into the salt mixture. Into the blender, combine the frozen watermelon, lime juice, tequila, and triple sec and blend until smooth. Pour into a rimmed glass that's garnished with, uh, with a watermelon and lime round. So that actually sounds pretty refreshing. I actually like watermelon, so that might be something that I might try at a friend's house uh, where nobody can see me using a blender and ruin my reputation as a bartender. Remember, people, if you want to be a part of the show or you just got something to say, all you have to do is email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. I love to talk to new bartenders. I love to help promote bartenders. I even love to help promote musicians out there. So if you got a song out there that you want to get a little bit of airplay, email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. And don't forget to visit heybartenderpodcast.com and check out the merchandise there. Listen to past episodes. I'm trying to change things up, find the time to work on it to make things a little bit more interesting, maybe make things a little bit easier for you guys. But I definitely want to hear from you guys, because uh this podcast I developed for the service industry. I developed it for you guys, anybody who works in the service industry, and it's been a lot of fun so far i've you know two hundred episodes of this stuff is a huge deal to me, and I'd like to keep this going as for as long as possible so uh don't you know don't be afraid or anything like that. Uh, Well, I don't want to say you're afraid because we're bartenders. We're tougher than nails. We can handle anything. But, uh, you know, it's just going to be a conversation. Just you and me, uh, two bartenders talking after shift or before shift and throwing around a couple stories here and there. This podcast is probably one of the few podcasts out there that is not trying to expose uh, anything or everything. Just, Just tell telling stories because everybody knows that people uh customers can be nice or can be jerks or can be good tippers can be bad tippers and it's just the way we live unfortunately it's not enough for us most of us to live uh, a decent livable wage but at least we make a couple good friends on the way right so anyway let's get started The, the 200th episode was a clip show and this is the other half of it uh, my first guest for the other half of this 200th episode extravaganza, celebration, whatever you want to call it, is Chantel Hyde. Now, if you remember, Chantel was an episode back in the early hundreds of the this podcast. She was actually on episode 64, and I decided I wanted to catch up with her you know, because I didn't want to do like Star Trek in... Uh, meet somebody, and then never talk about them again and realize that they've become this huge problem in the universe because Starfleet forgot to check up on them. And then all of a sudden, khan has got a hold of the Reliant and is out to destroy Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm sorry I went total geek on that. But if you remember right uh, from the uh, the two episodes, Chantel is a mother-of-two cancer survivor... One of uh, one of her babies actually being born actually helped her find that cancer tumor, and uh, just in time, so it wouldn't nothing would. So she got time to get better, and she has also become a manager of a restaurant and and she has been a huge voice when it comes to being against domestic violence and encouraging people to get help. So from whatever episode number that was, 174. This is Chantel Hyde. But you're doing really well now, it looks like.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I find the humor in it. There's a silver lining to everything because if I didn't experience what I experienced, I wouldn't be who I am. So everything happens for a reason, and I believe the universe isn't going to put something in my path that I can't handle,
0: so... Mm. And you've handled the universe like your bitch so so far, yeah. There's but,
2: days that I'm weak and I I feel like I can't can't take anymore. But uh, when it comes down to it, uh, I I know I'm a tough bitch and I can handle whatever life throws at me.
0: Yeah, Uh Well, uh, greatly admire you for that. And just uh, just like in the last uh, last time you visited the podcast. Uh, I admire your strength to get through all of this and uh, plus all the added stuff in the last year. Uh, And you're still kicking. You're still uh, out there kicking ass. And it's uh, really inspirational. And I hope that some of my listeners can take some of that from you and add that into their lives. I mean, uh, just for fun, if you were to give any any advice to – Women that were having tr- same trouble that you were having, or ballpark area, uh, mm. what do you have any advice for them?
2: Um, so it's so difficult to say because um, when it comes to uh, domestic violence and stuff like that, it's it consumes you. Uh, some of these women really believe that they can't do any better, and it's it's just a cycle of abuse, and uh, it's it's sad. There there are a lot of women who will never escape and they will lose their lives because of it. Mm-hmm. Eventually that's wh- that's where it goes. But for the women that are looking to get out um, and the grass is greener on the other side, it's hard. It's scary. And it, you will feel like the floor underneath you has been ripped out, but the grass is greener and there is resources, you know, even if you feel like you can't talk and no one will, and no one's listening Someone is listening.
3: Mm.
2: Um, I was very lucky enough that um, I had a a really supportive group of friends that already knew it was happening, though I was lying through my teeth to them. They already knew it was happening, and then uh, he started being way more upfront about it and was doing it in front of people. Um, I was launched across my own living room in front of a group of my friends. Oh, my God. Uh, And then uh, toward the end like it was way it was over way before it was actually over um and i actually had met neil and um you know we you know he was just there to support he was there just to support as a friend and then it ended between you know dipshit and i and then things with me and neil took off fairly quickly but you know i was lost the moment i all, I was like, I lost myself
0: a moment of that. I laid my eyes on you. So <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, the one thing that I often worry about people that have been a victim of domestic violence, male or female, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. is kind of the post-traumatic stress. Uh, mm-hmm. And would you suggest that therapy is an a good option? I mean, or uh, maybe not even an option. Would you, <laughs> you, would you tell your friends that have been through it? Go see a therapist.
2: Yeah, I um, I uh, I, I was seeing a therapist, well, and due to COVID, it was over the phone. Mm. So I I spoke to someone once or twice a week. I had a hotline that I could call, um, because I dealt with PTSD very badly. I, I, I was just coming through everything, you know, with facing what I was facing with, you know, my cancer scare and. Um, I had gotten, um, actually sexually assaulted not long after, uh, you and I talked the last time, um, and, um, you know, going through abuse and it was just like, I was at my wit's end and I was suicidal without being suicidal. Like I wanted to die, but without wanting to die, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, I had too much to live for. But at the same time, I didn't want to live anymore.
0: Mm. Um,
2: so the therapy helped a lot. You know, there's no shame in um, talking uh, about what you're going through and reaching out for help because it's okay to not be okay.
0: Right. Which is something that some people have a uh, have a little bit of trouble with uh, in that I've noticed mm-hmm. in my in my wa- uh, wanderings that people. Uh, so, no, I'm fine. No, I can't feel this way. I got to be, uh, I, I got to be happy. I got to stand up straight, even though they're dying on the inside, mm-hmm. whether they're suffering from mental, uh, mental abuse or physical abuse. And, yeah. uh, it's, it's a tough thing to get through, but the third, you, you gotta like, uh, like for example, a guy like me, uh, who. Uh, would be like, no, no, I'm fine. You know, I don't need to see a therapist. What's a therapist going to do for me? But and actu- uh, actually just getting the stuff off your chest instead of having an inner monologue or waiting for one of your friends to say, what's wrong? Uh, yeah. Or even having...
2: See, so I would argue it takes greater strength to admit it mm-hmm. than to keep it under us. That's what I used to think. Like, I know I'm weak if I if I admit this. I'm 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 weak if I show that I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. Um, But in all honesty, it takes greater strength to admit that you need help and it's okay to ask for it. It's like I said before, it's okay to not be okay.
0: Yeah, definitely. So in that episode, Chantel opened my eyes to a lot of stuff and found out that a little bit later on, we did talk about it during the podcast that some of the things that she said in episode 64 Actually, triggered a, a fight between her and her former spouse. And God, I felt so bad about it. Still feel bad about it to this day. But it makes me feel so much better that she's been able to get some help, has uh, friends there for her, and she was able to go out and get some therapy, get uh, j- just talk to somebody. That's the big thing. Because just like you just heard just a second ago. Most of us refuse to admit that we are having a problem, and uh, some of us, including myself, don't trust psychologists or psychiatrists, and, but sometimes you really do need it because all that stuff inside you becomes so toxic, and you need to do something with it. So if you are a victim of domestic violence or are having troubles in any way, shape, or form, seek help. You, uh, it's easy enough to find the local uh, psychiatrist, or just talk to a friend or your parents, and it it will get you on a on a road to making things better. That's what I'll say. This next clip comes from uh, episode one seventy eight, Daniel Cavini. Uh, this guy was awesome, the funnest guy to talk to. Um, he. I had since I started this podcast, I wanted to uh, to talk to a actual Las Vegas bartender because, and I had with Barb and, uh, but uh, this guy, he knows his stuff. He is a huge fan of brown liquors. In fact, after the podcast was over, he sent me a couple samples that I still haven't drank yet. Sorry about that, Daniel. Uh, Lux Road double barrel aged and a night 1792 sweet wheat. Still got these sitting on my desk. Haven't found a reason to drink them yet. I really don't like to drink alone. So that's part of the reason uh, that and I don't really drink, but uh, he was gracious enough to send those to me. He also sent me some Peter, peanut, peanut butter candies and those disappeared immediately. I had no problem getting rid of those, but uh. This story I found was hilarious because we got started talking about high end liquors, and uh, he had a customer that ordered a high end liquor in a particular way that would give some naturalists when it comes to liquor a heart attack. Take a listen. This is Daniel C- Cavini. So, did you have to deal with like top shelf liquors when you are bar back or? Uh... Or a service bartender?
4: Uh, not too many. When you're a service well bartender, um, sometimes we get a high roller uh, at one of the in the high limit lounge or something like that that requests, you know, top shelf liquors. But generally speaking, not much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, honestly, even out in front, there weren't too many high end liquors at regular bars in Vegas because they all had gaming. Um, and most of the drinks were comped, so they didn't even want that kind of, that, that kind of liquor on the bar to entice the players to do anything. You know, they wanted to try to keep their costs low on
0: the bar. See, that's, uh, that's where I started questioning, you know, working behind, uh, the big bar, uh, out in the middle of the casino because everything's comped as long as you're sitting at a machine gambling or, you know, at a table or something like that, all your drinks are comped. But, mm-hmm. uh, and I was wondering uh, if, you know, there were people that came in and wanted, uh, you know, top shelf anything, would they have to specifically uh, request uh, request that or when they're sitting at the, uh, how often does it, I was just curious, how often does that happen? I mean,
4: uh, it, it happens occasionally, it, it depends on the hotel and, you know, how much the gambling and everything like that. But now the way Vegas is going, all the hotels pretty much have a high limit or a high-end cocktail lounge inside of there. And those people that are playing, you know, those those, that big money, you know, throwing five, ten grand into a machine, um, they can afford to go into those high-end cocktail lounges too. Yeah. Um, But also those kind of players either a don't drink at all and just drink water while they're gambling, or b they'll order something neat. Or just a vodka soda or whatever. They want their great Goose and soda, and they, they don't typically get high-end cocktails at all.
0: Uh-huh. Um, so no, my, I really can't. Not much call I, for something like Louis the <laughs> Fourteenth.
4: I have a great story about that. When I was at Caesar's Palace, um, I helped open the uh, lobby bar right there next to the lobby. It was a it was a high-end kind of gaming lounge that they had over there. And one night, I had this young, twenty-something kid come through from the High Limit Lounge, and he wanted Louis the Thirteenth, but he wanted Louis the Thirteenth with red as a mixed drink. Oh, dear God! (laughs) Yes, (laughs) but you see, our our shots were three hundred and fifty dollars a piece. Yeah, and he would throw me four hundred dollars every time and set me fifty bucks on every drink. You drink it how you want, buddy.
0: Yeah, that's that's (laughs) all up to you now.
4: (laughs) Absolutely, you know. I mean. I, I didn't really care, although it, it kind of hurt me, you know, to <laughs> pour Red Bull over a glass of Louis the Fourteenth. But you know what, or, or Louis the Thirteenth. Um, but you know what, it, it, it was his deal, and, and that that was a very rare occasion.
0: Now, if you were listening to that very carefully, I kept referring to it as Louis the Fourteenth. It's Louis the Thirteenth, and. Believe me, people, when you're paying $350 a shot, you don't expect the customer to want to mix it with Red Bull. But the kid was in his 20s. What is he going to do? And he was tipping well. But, oh, my God, you know, $350 liquor mixed with Red Bull? Oh, geez. I, I talked to a number of bartenders whose skin crawled when they heard that story. But like I said, the kid was tipping well. So uh, he's tipping well. He's paying for it. It's his money. He can drink it however the hell he wants. Okay, so this next guest I met on Instagram and uh, TikTok. Uh, his name is Tyler Mortenson. Mortensen, and he has his own uh, tra- uh, banquet bartending uh, business. He travels, travels around and will run a bar for parties and such. This man I found to be inspirational in a way, because he is very business oriented and he is able to take himself out of the box because everybody, we all have that little comfort zone where we won't do this. We will do that, but we can't do this. This guy opened my eyes up to a lot of exercises that I still haven't done yet. Sorry, Tyler. Uh, but uh, if check out this clip here and he gives you quite a few bits of information, little nuggets of things you can do just to challenge yourself and make yourself a little bit better. Here's Tyler Mortensen. How has it been for your last year?
5: It's been, you know what? It, it's funny because before COVID, I I was telling everybody that I've been, I got in, I got in the best shape physically before COVID. Mm -hmm. And now since COVID, I got in the worst shape physically, but in the best shape mentally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Little give and take there, I guess. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so, uh, but no, it was good. It gave me an opportunity to really um, dial in mm-hmm. what I wanted to do and really dial in what I'm doing that, you know, and really helped me dial in the the media aspect of the company of what I wanted to do. Um, it gave me an opportunity to read more and, tune in my consulting skills and management skills. Like I'm real big on like discipline, respect, integrity, you know, all of that. And that's one of the things when I go in and I talk to bartenders and owners and stuff, that's one thing I really push is like integrity and respect. And, you know, my, my wife, she's in in an industry where she's management too. And she'll, she'll talk, you know, she'll come home and um, you know, and I'll say, well, you know, Sometimes the employees are the way they are because you allow them to be that way, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a tough pill for people to swallow when you say, you know, your, your, your business is following, is failing because you're not a good boss. Right. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to be comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I really, really learned during COVID. Like, get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Right. And the way you do that is you start, you just start, I call it cold calling people in the grocery store. When you're in the grocery store, just cruise up. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Oh, you know, okay. nice, nice, nice dress, oh. nice shoes, nice tie. How's your day? You know, like, and I don't normally, I don't, I wouldn't do it as how's the weather because like we're, we're, we're in a grocery store. We've all been outside. So we know what the weather's like. Mm. So, you know, hey, how do you how do you pick out your oranges? Oh, this is the technique that my grandmother told me. Or how do you pick out your watermelon? Oh, you thump it, or you look for the dark green. And you just you, and then you get you you encounter the people that don't want you to even look out. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you have really have to get comfortable being uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, that that would be a stretch for me, just to walk up <laughs> to a random person and say, Hey, how's it going? Nice shirt. You know what? <laughs> Uh, just because, uh, uh, I am who I am, but you know, right. uh, it's something that I always strive to work on, even though I'm 44 years old now, but, uh, something I should have worked <laughs> on back in high school, but <laughs> yeah, but those are, but it, it's
5: cool. It's just, it, that's the stuff that I, that's what I've learned. That's what I've, I've taken from it. Um, and the fact that I have neighbors that, um, are in higher level jobs that are in corporate jobs that have their own businesses. And we can sit and talk about, you know, Hey, you're, you've hit this, you've hit this curve of uh, complacency, you know, Let's how do we get out of it? You know, I was sitting at the bar one night and I had a, a, a neighbor come down and he's like, I just don't have it anymore. I don't feel the, I don't feel the passion anymore. It's like, dude, you've hit that curve. Like, you know, you build that anticipation to get things going and then things go and they start going uphill and then you get to the top and you're like, damn, I made it. Mm. And then you get complacent. And then what happens when you get complacent, you start going back down. So you got to keep, you got to fuel, you got to feed the fire that's going to put you back on top. Mm. And that's where the discipline for me comes in is getting to the point where I don't want to be complacent. Right. I want to stay on that high that's how I want to be. And so when I'm, when I'm talking to the neighbors and other people in the business, that's where I want them to be back on that high Mm -hmm. because that's where you're, that's where the most fire in you comes from is when you're at that, like, you know, when you go to a concert and for the next four days, you're like, yeah, I'm going to mosh on every person I see. (laughs) And you know, that's the high that you get when you're at the top of that curve.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And That's
5: where I think everybody needs to be.
0: And the the low would be trying to stage dive, and they part like the Red Sea. <laughs> <laughs>
5: exactly. Exactly.
0: Now, this, uh, Tyler has a very, very strong social media presence. You can check him out on TikTok. You can check him out on Instagram. He's got some good videos. Uh, his Refrigerator Chronicles, he starts off the day basically opening up the refrigerator, grabbing something to drink, non-alcoholic, and uh telling you something that you're like you are better than you think you are and he's trying to help go out and encourage people and he has been a very strong supporter of Hey bartender podcast he's uh he actually did a lot of research before coming on the show and was heavily prepared to be on Hey bartender podcast and i was so grateful for that this next clip is a special clip uh in many di- uh, different forms. This is from episode 182, interview with Ashley Cardinal. Now, Ashley is from Alberta, Canada. She is the first can, uh, Canadian that I've ever interviewed on this show. I ran across her on TikTok, and she had her own uh, version of bartender stories. And uh, usually when I look for people on TikTok or Instagram, I check out you know how uh, energetic they are. Do I think they're going to be chatty? And uh, this woman had it in droves. And as soon as I saw her personality, I was like, I got to get her on my show. And she agreed to it wholeheartedly. Now, what makes this episode so special is because she informed me uh, a lot of things that uh, Canada and America have in common when it comes to the service industry. Because I've had other people from other countries beyond this show and it they tip differently even in the united states it get uh people get tipped differently or paid differently that's the scary part so check out this clip from ashley cardinal so uh tipping tipping is uh as important in canada as it is here in the united states
6: because
0: mm-hmm. i've talked to i had an interview with a guy from uh in, uh england and yeah. tipping isn't uh Tipping isn't done there at all, uh, because
7: they pay a livable wage.
0: Right, exactly, and uh, but here in the United States, and I guess where you are in Canada, uh, where tipping has become uh, part—it's not just a uh, well. Back when tipping first started, it was just to ensure prompt service. That's the literal dictionary. Uh, it was
7: a gratuity yeah. it' was gratitude for for good service and right. now its a supplement for people's income,
0: yeah, we kinda need it <laughs> and we do. and yeah so it it is the same thing up there uh oh that, uh, okay that's that's good to know i've I've actually received emails in uh mostly people from Europe that say that they have uh livable wages, they have medical benefits they have uh things like that. And I'm just like, we don't have that here.
7: We need to take some pages out of those books. Yeah. Just, and you know what? I'm, I, everyone's like, oh, well, would you be fine paying $10 a drink and blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, you know what? The fact that we have to pay somebody's living wage when they're already working, we already have to supplement their income. And it's not even just a, it's not a gratuity anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a need. If somebody doesn't tip, that person can't pay their bills. That person can't buy their fucking groceries. And, and then on top of it, there's the tip out. I don't know if you guys have that in the States. In
0: certain um, restaurants, but please explain it.
7: In every restaurant, every place in Canada, you have a percentage of your sales goes to a tip out for the rest. Of, so for example, for your, your cooks in the back who already give it a, get a livable wage, by the way, mm. uh, for your bus boys. Okay. So their minimum wage. Yeah. Okay. You want to give them a little bit that, that I get, um, in some places management. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. You, you pay management to fucking work. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wrong, but so usually it's about anywhere between five and 10% of your sales, not of your, your tips. So if somebody doesn't tip, let's say you have a hundred dollar bill,
3: mm-hmm.
7: 10% of that hundred dollar bill, you're going to be tipping out. Right. So if you don't get a tip that comes out of your pocket. Yeah. It's bullshit. That
0: sucks. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, 10% of your sales, that that can be harsh. I mean, uh, you do, I don't know, say $500 in sales that night, but you won't, uh, an average tip of that 20%, uh, that $100, but that's assuming that everybody tipped you 20%. Some people tip 10 or 15 or less. Yep. That can really end up hurting by the end of the night. Do you ever Do you ever go in the negative? Yep. Oh, wow.
7: Yep. I have on several occasions. Um literally doing my tip out, doing my cash out. I I, I give the money for all of the food that came out. That's fine, all of the blah blah blah. And I end up having to go into my bank account to pay at the end of the night.
0: Oh, that's gotta be a horrible night then. Yeah, uh, where it's you go you go home and you're just uh now that's yeah, that gives you the right to say this it's been a bad day.
7: <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> when you literally have to pay to go to work. Yeah. It's a shitty fucking day.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's been, uh, there's been nights and I can think of where, uh, one guy, uh, tried to pick a fight with another guy in the bar and he, uh, then he, uh, basically bitch slapped me and then tried to get me to punch him back. I didn't, but, uh, that would be a bad night. But I also, uh, made like 35% versus my sales and tips. So I I wasn't I was you know yeah I got hit but look how much money I got. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy, you know. <laughs> yeah.
7: Yeah, and you know you you get you get more good nights than you do those nights. Mm. Um so I will say that there are definitely better nights than um and for a long time the minimum wage in Canada, I mean, it only changed after I stopped being a bartender, but the minimum wage in Canada was different than the minimum wage for servers.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: Right. There's
7: a huge gap. And that's fucking ridiculous. That's so stupid. Like, I can tip my Starbucks barista. That's fine. It's not going to affect her livable income. Yeah. It doesn't make
0: sense. Well, so, um, here, all the jobs that I ever worked, though, the there was a uh, wage difference between servers and bartenders. But the bartenders got paid a couple extra bucks because uh, typically when I showed up for the night shift... The manager would say, okay, I'm out of here, and then all of a sudden, I'm in charge. have to make all the hard decisions and all that stuff. So they gave the bartenders a couple extra bucks just because we're technically the manager at that point. Uh, Mm -hmm. So uh, was that kind of the same thing, or bartenders got paid less than server wages?
7: Same. Same across. Everybody got the same. Everybody got the server minimum wage, which... When I started serving was eight dollars and ten cents, and the minimum wage for uh, everybody else was nine twenty five, and then the minimum wage got bumped up to ten uh, dollars and eleven cents. Woohoo! Stayed the same for us.
0: Yeah, didn't uh, change. That's fine. But <laughs> it, it's not the same thing all over the United States because uh, I've had I've talked to other bartenders that like work in uh, like say New York, and they. Uh, either get paid $2 an hour, which is uh, at current the federal minimum wage, or they don't get paid hourly at all. They work strictly for their tips.
7: Oh, my heart goes out to those ones. Yeah. It really does because that, and especially with, you know, the recessions and people struggling already to make their bills, they're less likely to tip you. And realistically, we should not be forcing the general public to pay our livable wage. It should be coming from our employers. Mm -hmm. That's why there are employers. So to whatever states are doing that to their servers, they should be fucking ashamed of themselves because that's disgusting.
0: Now, after hearing about all these stories of uh, hearing people that they have to tip out, uh, their uh, busser, their bartender, their uh, she even mentioned the cooks, and even managers she had to tip out. Now, this it's all becoming crazy. And all of a sudden, I got this crazy idea just the other day because uh, I was thinking about doing this podcast and I was uh, setting up all these clips, and I was thinking there has got to be a way for... These servers and bartenders that have to basically finish off paying the rest of the wages for the rest of the restaurant to write that off as a business expense. Now, if there's any uh, bartender servers or anybody that listens to this show that knows how to do taxes and stuff like that, I want you to look that up and uh, get back to me. Uh, I would love to have you on the show and let's discuss that for a little while. And one more thing about Ashley, how amazing this woman is, is she brought in half of Canada, basically, to listen to that one episode. She is currently my second all-time most downloaded episode. And she's uh, she's been a huge help to uh, keep me s- s- on my goals for this year. And it was a great show. She's hilarious. And... Uh, If you ever run into her and you want to sing karaoke with her, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Go for it. Oh, and if it's not too much trouble, video it and DM it to me. I want to watch. Now, this next clip from episode 183, Interview with Dana Bolin. Uh, We went off track. We were talking about uh, bartending and serving and stuff like that. But like I've told you guys before, I love rock and roll. I'm a pop culture junkie, and he and I kind of went off track a little bit, actually a lot, completely, uh, uh, just completely derailed, and we started talking about rock and roll, and we actually had a story in common, and this was my favorite clip of the show. Check it out. I got on eBay, got bought some floor, uh, floor tickets, and uh, I went over to my dad, and I said, you want to go see The Who? And he's like, Oh, well, why don't you ask one of your friends if they want to go first? Cause he, he thought you won't have as much fun if you take me. And I was like, this I, is don't, so funny. I don't, I don't want to take you. I don't want, uh, I don't want to take a friend. I want to take you. And eventually, oh my god! eventually I, I told him, well, none of my friends can make it. You're going to have to go with me because otherwise it's money wasted. And, and he's, uh, my mom's like, go, go, go. And, uh, he yeah. ended up having the time of his life and, uh, he had never heard the song, the single "Eminence Front" before, and oh, it's my favorite Who song. Yeah, he he'd never heard that song before, and I am cracking a beer. Yeah, uh, we'll call that an, the AM, ASMR portion of our show. There we go. <laughs> but uh, but
1: "Eminence Front" that's my favorite Who song.
0: Yeah, uh, I I got stupefied by the lava lamps that they had on the LCD screens behind the Who. So I didn't know really, really what was going on, and I wasn't that's, stoned or that's anything.
1: what they were there for, brother.
0: <laughs> but my as soon as the song <laughs> ended, my dad went, Wow! And I'm what I missed. What what happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Wow, no, but what's so funny about you saying that is because I brought my parents to see the Who on that same tour. Yeah. And my parents hate concerts, they hate crowds, they just they hate all of that bullshit but the one thing that i i don't even know where i get my love for music from because i'm obsessed with classic rock i mean me too like my mom loves the beatles my dad loves the stones they both love the who they both love led zeppelin you know what i'm saying
0: <laughs> okay yeah
1: now so when I bought these tickets for The Who, it was me and my girlfriend at the time, and I bought two more tickets for my parents, and I brought them, and they were like, ah, oh, jeez, like, I don't want to go. My dad's like, he's like, you know, I saw Bob Dylan once in Seattle back in, you know, 1980, <laughs> and it was terrible, and I never wanted to go to a concert since then, and I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like... <laughs> I'm trying to do a nice thing here. I bought tickets. Just fucking come. Just come. I bought the tickets, please. (laughs) It was fucking ridiculous. I had to drag them there. Mm. So they come. They left before the encore, but I got them to go. (laughs) Same situation. And then a few years later, now my dad, again, he's obsessed with the Stones. And I've always wanted to see the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones tickets... This was probably eight years ago. I mean, it was like four hundred dollars for yeah. like the cheapest the for balcony nosebleeds, and it was they were coming around Boston right around Father's Day or what my dad's birthday. I was just like, "Hey, Dad, I want to take you to see the Stones. Like, you know, like like I'm about to buy two tickets. out. like I got a thing right now. Do you want to go?" He was just like, "No, <laughs> <He> just <laughs> didn't want to." Go. I'm like, all right, you saved me eight hundred dollars, but he, he like he just literally didn't want to go. Yeah. I was kinda sad, but I was kinda like relieved. Like I was <laughs> like, All right, I saved a thousand bucks, you know, between tickets and beers and
0: you mm. know,
1: train tickets and whatever. But but um going back to what you, you kind of had to drag your dad there right like
0: (laughs) sort of once uh, once I told him that none of my friends wanted to go not that I really tried hard to get my friends to go because my heart was set on taking him Uh, he was just all right all right I'll go and we had you know took the train there and uh, he was worried he brought earplugs because he was worried about uh, the noise being too loud I refused earplugs because I wanted to experience the who and but he didn't wear the earplugs he had a great time, and, uh, uh, and you know, had some memories of certain songs and stuff like that. And it it was it was a great time for both of us. <laughs> now, the cool thing about Dana is he was able to put up with me telling that story, and because uh, I think I kind of took over uh, took over a little bit, but uh, he was awesome to talk to. Uh, we we have stayed in touch ever since because. Uh, he and I are both podcasters, and he and I are kind of sharing information back and forth of what do you do when this happens, what do you do to do this. He's a really cool guy uh, to stay in touch with. But the thing that is so cool about that guy is he has no problem that he refers to himself as a hype man and a cowbell player. Uh, he hangs around a band, and he jumps up on stage and starts playing cowbell for him. That's just cool. (laughs) Now, uh, the next guest that I uh, brought on the show is from episode 185 with Alex Torres. Alex Torres, she caught my attention because she was posting a lot of stories on how she was being harassed and mistreated and all this stuff at the restaurant she worked at. And it was just a horrible story. And some of the stuff I really felt that she uh, needed to get, Brought out into the public, even though right now she is doing one hell of a job doing it. Uh, go check out her Instagram and her TikTok page. But uh, I asked her specifically for advice for people that are having trouble in their workplace, and here's what she told us. Uh, well, real quick, I'm. Uh, do you have any advice for uh, people that work in the service industry? Because it could, it can be anybody that are going through some kind of harassment or going through some, uh, some kind of hardship. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for them?
6: Yeah. Do not let big corporations silence you. We have rights. You have every right to speak up for yourself. And if you get fired for speaking up against yourself, That is retaliation. Report it to the labor board, report it to the EEOC and get yourself a lawyer who will only take money if you win. Also, you can go and look up um, how to be like a whistleblower or whatever. And then you can report that too because you are protected by, um, what is it? I I was just looking at it, but it's like, it's uh, ethics. Like you are allowed to expose companies for the illegal shit or wrongdoings or um, toxic environment. You're allowed to speak on all of that. And a lot of people have been, pretty much brainwashed to think that you can't speak up no you can't say anything they're gonna sue you they're gonna sue you for defamation they're gonna sue you for slander as long as you're not lying if you are not lying and you're not saying like uh this person you know did this to me and then you know they didn't do anything like or whatever or they're they're abused they're making me work hours off the clock and they really weren't doing that then you have nothing to worry about like you are allowed to speak up for yourself and you know what take Take everybody in Hollywood and everything that is happening in the world right now as an example that we are allowed to speak up for ourselves. We have been used, misused, and abused for way too long. We are get treated like literal shit. Like we are so replaceable. They tell us all the time, you're a dime a dozen. You're a dime a dozen. You're so replaceable. We're so replaceable. Why can't you open your doors now? You can't open your doors because you need us. So fucking treat us with respect. Stand up for yourself. Don't let people walk all over you. Don't let people harass you and say something. And if, if you go to HR and corporate and they don't do something about it, go above them because HR is only there to protect themselves, their boss and their paycheck. They don't give a fuck about you. Do you think they care about you? They don't care about you. But if they, if some people who actually follow the rules of HR, great. But if you do it and they ignore you, like everybody who has been messaging me, messaging me from Chili's, we have the power. Let me tell you, all these corporate greed, all these places have taken everything from us. Literally everything. Uh, we have no, no we have no unions. We have no pensions. They, oh, are we even going to get our Social Security? Taking our 401ks. They've taken every single thing. Boomers have taken everything from us. So shut the fuck up because now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. You can't take anything from us. We have nothing. We have so much debt because of you. We have no money. We can barely survive. The only thing that we can do is stand up for ourselves and make a change. So stand up for yourself because if we keep listening to them we're never going to change the how we want the world to be. So stand up for yourself and say I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. What are you going to do? What are you do? What are you going to take from me? You have nothing to take from me because you haven't given me anything. You 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 take and you take and you take and you give me nothing. So now I'm going to take from you. So that's why I started saying all this shit on my TikTok because I'm like the only thing I have is my voice. And I have a social media platform and I'm going to fucking use it. And that's the one thing that they don't know how to do is social media. They don't know what the fuck they're doing because now this is our, our turn. This is our generation. To change things and if we want to do it we can do it we don't have to keep following this shit because it wasn't always like this the world was not always like this we can survive on our own we can farm we can start we can support local businesses we can trade we can do things with each other as a community we don't have to give our money to corporations they have just taken over with their fucking greed their businesses they've taken over the world And it's over. Their their time is gone. Like, we do not need them anymore. We can do this on our own. We can do it. Like, we just have to come together as one, support each other, and get it done. Fuck them. Fuck all them. I'm over it. (laughs) I'm like, they they can all burn in hell. Their time is done. They got their money. They can go. They can go rot with their money. That's all they cared about.
0: Definitely. Wow. That's it. That was powerful. (laughs)
6: thanks sorry you are a very intense I woman. Get mad i like you guys uh, stand up for yourselves like people think they don't have a voice I'm like you have a voice don't let these people intimidate you and threaten you
0: especially in- them
6: no job is worth your your sanity and your health I have had messages of people telling me they were in the hospital because of how stressed they were they were um in a psych ward they were on suicide watch because of the fucking chilies actually and i'm like first of all uh, thank you for still being here but second of all don't ever let a job get you to that point mm-hmm. because i assure you you will be okay you will be okay put yourself first you are more important than money and a job because these people do not care about you i had a cook a cook that got murdered and what nobody even fucking said a word about him i was like hey does anybody know where this cook is oh yeah he was murdered i'm like we're just gonna ignore it after he slaved away for this place. Nobody nobody acknowledged it. I'm like, you die for this place and they don't give a shit about you. Do not let them do that to you. You are more important than these places. You have to set your boundaries and your standards for them to treat you how you want to be treated. Don't let them walk all over you.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, uh, you you said it. I got nothing to add to that. So. <laughs> And that was the truth. After she was done, she talked with so much passion, and she was talking very fast. I honestly had nothing. I couldn't comment on it. I couldn't wrap that part of the conversation up. I had nothing. Because she is just very passionate on uh, getting the word out there, helping other people out, and uh, she uh, honestly... I think she can beat me up. She could beat me up, and it would uh, it would hurt pr- really bad. Now, I'm not saying she's the violent type, but uh, just in case, I want to stay her friend. I, I want to make sure that she and I are friends. But that's the deal with social media nowadays. You know something. You've been a uh, part of something. You put the word out there, because there's a bunch of people out there who are afraid to take to social media, and express their feelings on something or talk about something that happened to them in order to avoid it to happen to other people. Now, there are some voices out there that are louder than others, but uh, it's important that you stick up for yourself and know that you don't have to be treated that way. Uh, And if you listen to her podcast, uh, the podcast that uh, she was on with me, she will tell you that, and she will tell you that in droves. Okay, so this next clip is with Danielle Motley from episode 191. Uh, she is an actress, she is a comedian. She was really fun to talk to. We got into a, a lot of her stuff that she does on TikTok, where she kind of pokes fun at the restaurant industry because she was there and she's using her experiences plus the experiences of other people in order to make her videos. And she was just a lot of fun to talk to. This particular clip, though, she let me indulge myself in talking about the movie Waiting. You guys know I bring that movie up constantly, but she was really cool about it. So uh, here's a clip from episode 191 with Danielle Motley. Uh, now your subject of server self care, uh, that video—that's
9: my favorite video.
0: I I have to say that's my favorite too because I watched a whole bunch of your TikToks this morning before uh, contacting you. And the the whole bit of screaming in the walk-in or uh, crying in the bathroom. Uh, Actually, it was probably all in the walk-in in in the restaurants that i worked at, except for the smoking. We all went out to the dumpster. But uh, uh, how did that all come up? Did you just suggestions from your friends or was that based on experience? No,
9: that one was, well, based on experience, but also that was actually inspired from the comments. Someone had commented on one of the videos and they wrote, and sometimes you just need to go scream in the walk-in and I was like oh my god yes you do and then I thought about it and I was like oh this will be good let me do a TikTok of the things that you do need to do to get through your shift um and you know take fake smoke breaks even if you don't smoke which and I took up smoking briefly just to go out and smoke with the server to get through the shift because that nicotine helped and made it easier like, don't smoke at all um and uh, that, that's where that one came about. And they pulled it down for a little while. It oh. went to TikTok jail for two days saying it violated the community terms. And I'm like, no, it didn't. This is my favorite. Put it back up. I think maybe they thought I was promoting smoking weed.
0: Oh.
9: Or Even though it was clearly a cigarette. It was my, my one prop cigarette that I have in my house.
0: <laughs> Um. But uh, that But just the whole thing of how during the shift you have to – you know, just burn off that energy somehow. I mean, like, uh, well, I reference the movie all the time on my podcast, the movie Waiting, starring Ryan oh, Reynolds. To me, that movie is probably the most accurate depiction of working in a restaurant in any movie. And I agree. But there's that one girl that when she's in the back doing the prep table stuff or talking to the cooks, she's just swearing up a storm, screaming at everybody. But as soon as she hits the floor, uh, she's all smiles and talking to the customers. And it, yeah, we do all do things like to blow off steam. Like I've, I've gone into the walk-in and punched, uh, punched a box of lettuce or something like that, just because <laughs> I was freaking out and it was the softest thing. Cause I, you know, I didn't want to punch a keg and break my hand or something. <laughs> um, yeah. But no,
9: I agree, you know, waiting came out my senior year of high school when we were working at Ruby Tuesday. So, my friend and I, who both worked there, went to see it and we lost our minds because it was so accurate. <laughs> oh, it was just, and we were like, That's that person at work, that's that person at work. It was <laughs> so good. And yes, Alana Ubach, she's an amazing actress and she's so funny who plays that surly character. Um, and it, it, it's very, very accurate. <laughs> I would also have to go in there to cool off because I get so hot. At the Italian restaurant I worked at, we had to wear like really tight, large, heavy button-ups, mm. and the AC didn't cut it when you're, you know, running around back and forth in the kitchen.
0: <laughs> but yeah, you go out and out of uh, out of sight of the uh, customers, and you're, God
9: fucking damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, just sit and walk in the walk-in, take a breather. Ugh.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, the. Uh, I watched that movie when I was still a, uh, still a bartender, and I was just like, every I told all my friends, every single aspect of that movie I can vouch for, except for the part where the cooks screw with the food. I can't vouch for that, because I never saw it. Uh, I don't know if yeah. it happens, at least not with any of the people I worked with. <laughs>
9: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it happen, but I know it does happen, because people have talked about it happening, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and they've seen it, so, ugh. Um I can't vouch for the whole show your balls part I guess. No, I none did. of
0: my restaurants we never <laughs> played the game. Yeah. <laughs>
9: there was a lot of towel whipping. Yes. That happened a lot, that slapping Hurt.
0: Yeah, yeah, we never played uh, played the game in any of the restaurants that I worked at. Well, probably mostly because uh I think the empl- on the employee ratio we it was like two maybe three girls to every guy in, uh, in the employees so we, we were outnumbered, so we were somewhat respectful. <laughs> <laughs> That's
9: good. Yeah, well, I don't think that would fly nowadays.
0: Although most of the girls were uh, way worse than any of us could have ever been. <laughs> <laughs> now, the cool thing about uh, Danielle was that she uh, gave me a lot of insight in where those stories came from. And uh, if you want to see her videos, they are really funny. Go check out her channel on TikTok, Worthy Comedy. Uh, she's got a lot of great videos and stuff like that and a lot of very funny yet very relatable uh, stories of working in the service industry. Take my word for it. Go check it out now. Okay, so this next clip comes from episode 193 uh, with Rachel Gollum. Now, uh, she caught my attention because she was talking uh, stuff about the service industry and other stuff on social media and TikTok. Uh, but I actually found out that she offers actually some very cool services on Fiverr, and here's a clip of what she does. And you know what? Check check this out. So nowadays, uh, you said that you're working for Fiverr.
10: Yeah. So um, yeah, now, I'm a recruiter, and then I have a uh, Fiverr.
0: Now you you'll have to tell me what that is. Uh, even this is not a paid advertisement, uh, but you'll have to tell me what well, what exactly it is and what you do.
10: So Fiverr is like a freelance website. Um, it's great for anybody who just wants to freelance anything. Like you can literally do anything on there. You can ghostwrite. Um, you can do digital designs for people. You can write eBooks for people. Like anything that you think of that you can do as a service, um, you can put it on Fiverr and you can sell that service. Uh, obviously like accounting and stuff like that would be for an only friends account, but um, Anything else that's not in an accounting position, you can put on Fiverr. Um, any, like, pre- like, what I do is I, um, I have three on there. So I have prepping for interviews where I will get on a Zoom call with you. I'll go over all the questions that they would ask you, the questions that you need to ask. I'll critique your responses so that you can have the best responses. Tell you all the things about the company that you need to know going into the interview I'll even help you pick out what to wear.
0: <laughs> cool. Like,
10: yeah, and then I um and then I also have two fun ones. One is just like a listening session, like I'm not a coach or a therapist, but I've been through some shit. So like I put on there that like I'll if you, you know, you buy a service and I'll sit for 20, 30 or 60 minutes and I'll just listen to you rant or we can make fun of your ex or all that other fun stuff. Um, and then the last one I do is I'll call you and get you out of any social situation, like if you're <laughs> at a if you're at a party and you no longer want to be at a party, then you just hop on there and get a hold of me. And I'll, you know, for five bucks, I will call you and act like a relative and be like, no, there's an emergency. I need you to come home right now. Um, there was even a girl last week that asked me to call her boyfriend and break up with him for it. Luckily she changed her mind, but I was like, oh, okay. I oh mean, my I was God. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's new. I wasn't expecting that one.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so, are you allowed to? Uh, uh, do you want to tell people how much you charge for these services? I kind of see the whole calling to get them out of a situation becoming very popular nowadays. Because, well, it was a couple episodes ago. I did uh, an episode called Angel Shot, which is a code word in bars and restaurants. If you are in a on a first date and in a nasty situation, or the guy's getting creepy, or the girls uh, getting weird, you can uh, you can order an angel shot, and the bartender will help you figure a way out, like, uh, you say you ordered an angel shot and the bartender will go behind the bar, disappear, come back, hand you a napkin and a cigarette, and you open up the napkin and it says, tell them you're going to go smoke this. The Uber's already waiting outside. So, like, I can see that you helping people get out of situations uh, becoming really popular in this day and age of Tinder dates and, uh, you know, online dating, that uh, that would become really popular. <laughs>
10: Yeah. And I'm always like, I mean, it could be even with family. Like I definitely go into social situations. Like I have a cap. Uh, I just like, you hit that social cap and then you're done for the evening. And sometimes it's, there's not always a good segue. Cause you know what? Like with my best friend, like I'd tell her like, Hey Latoya, like I don't, <laughs> I need to go home and we're, we're comfortable enough to where we can both do that with each other. We just give each other this look like I'm ready for bed. Cause we both got to be in bed by 10 cause we can't do it. Mm. Um, but like, if I'm out with somebody that I've only gone out with a couple of times or, you know, I'm with family and I don't want to be rude and hurt somebody's feelings, then I, it's just a great opportunity to be like, hey, can you get me out of this, please? And Tinder dates, especially like if you're on a weird date, you got to go. And I will, I will 100% help somebody out and get them the heck out of a date. Cause it's just so uncomfortable sometimes. And you just don't know what to say. And there's like, obviously I never had a need for a Tinder cause I've been with my husband for almost eight years, oh, sure. no, over yeah. eight years.
7: Yeah.
10: And, um, I think that was even before Tinder came out, maybe not. Um, but I never really needed that, but I can imagine, especially with Tinder, like you just meet somebody, you've only talked to them a little bit. Um, and then you go out and you're like, Oh, <laughs> this is not where I wanted to be. Yeah. So I'm here to, here to help a friend out.
0: Uh, that's, um, that's brilliant. If you ask me, but
10: Thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, that's only, um, that's only five bucks for Cause the cheapest you can go on Fiverr is five bucks. Um, that's only five bucks. So I think there's an extra $5 fee if like you need it like ASAP. Um, cause what I ask people to do is cause you have to fill out questionnaires, questionnaires when you get a service on Fiverr. Um, and I have questions like who am I pretending to be? What kind of emergency is like feasible for your life um, and stuff like that so that I can tell a lie that isn't like outlandish um, so that people around you will believe it if it's somebody you're close to. But um, I like to know like a day in advance and like what time and stuff that I need to be calling um, if they need it. But the, for an extra five bucks, I'll be on call and just do it whenever you need. And then the listening to you event, it's like $15 for, um, Oh, it's $10 for 20 minutes, $15 for 30 and then $30 for, uh, 60 minutes, and the $15 one, I was going to make, I think, Uh, I think I was going to make that one a little more, as, like, originally, but that one is um, essentially catered to moms, like, if you just need 30 minutes to blow off some steam, because a lot of stay-at-home moms, like, I work from home, and I know sometimes, like, I don't get me wrong, I would never trade a minute with my daughter, but sometimes I'm just like, I've been talking to a baby all day. <laughs> oh, yes.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, Yeah,
10: and you don't get any adult interaction, so that one is really what that one's catered to. But, yeah, 10, 15, and 30 for event sessions. And then the interview services, it's like a full mock interview. So, um
0: No, that's very valuable. 30- uh, I like that yeah. idea.
10: And I've done hundred plus interviews. And now, um, as a recruiter, I just get, I prep people for interviews all day long. So, you know, I have plenty of professional history and getting people ready for interviews, but that it's like, you get what you get 30 minutes of my time for 25 bucks, uh, 60 minutes for 50 bucks and then 90 minutes for 75. And they all kind of step up and like how quickly you can get them and like all the things that I'll cover and like how in depth we'll go. Um, so yeah, those are the prices for them, but I'm really excited about it. I just kind of got it started. I haven't been advertising a whole bunch, um, just because I'm I'm new to freelancing. Uh, so I don't know. I'm just excited. But um, I wanted to say that if anybody that listens to this podcast like wants one of those services, if they message me on Fiverr, just the words "Hey bartender," I'll take off like 20% of their service fee.
0: Oh, awesome! Uh, okay, people, you yes. heard. Uh, you heard her. Uh, we'll. Uh, I'll figure out a way to put the link, uh, when I, uh, post this show. And in fact, do you have a, do you have a link, uh, that they can yeah, go to? Yeah, I
10: can send it to you right after we get off the call.
0: Cool. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do all that. And, uh, so, and you just mentioned, Hey, Bartender podcast or Hey, Bartender, whatever you decide to do and, uh, uh, get, uh, get money off it and get this invaluable help. It sounds like, <laughs> Uh, Thank
10: you.
0: I appreciate that. I, I mean, I I can picture some of these mothers calling you up, saying, uh, screaming, I am so sick of baby shark. But...
10: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Cocoa melon or all of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got you, friend.
0: <laughs> Nowadays, everybody uh, kind of needs a little bit of a side hustle, especially since, especially since a lot of us have been locked into our houses for the last year or whatever. And so uh, developing some kind of services... Where you can uh, do mock interviews or get help with your interviews, or I especially love that call you to get out, get you out of a situation type of thing. I've just, I thought those were just fucking brilliant, and uh, it was uh, just interesting that it was a unique view of what to do that I haven't, uh, I've never talked to anybody about that sort of thing before, and I just the stuff that she decided that she wanted to do on Fiverr uh was very unique to me and very helpful. So everybody out there who uh is listening, just remember she's out there and available and ready to help you out in one way or another, whether you just need to vent, you need to get out of a situation, or you need to get through an interview, be more comfortable before you get there. If you want to find out where uh her page is on Fiverr, uh the link is in the description of episode 193. And uh, when you contact her, mention Hey Bartender Podcast. She'll give you a little discount. Okay, so um, moving on. This next clip comes from episode 195. It's the interview with Tanya Fritch, who is the author of Just the Tip, The Ins and Outs of the Industry. Now, uh, she contacted me and asked me if she could promote her book on my podcast. And I was like, absolutely. Come on in. And, you know, Mike, usually when people ask me if they can promote their book on my podcast, I usually say, can I read it first so I have something to talk to you about? And she sent me – no, I got onto Amazon and read the first couple chapters of it, uh, a sample, and I found it fascinating and funny uh, because it uh, it starts at the very beginning. She doesn't uh, try to say, well, my first day behind the bar. No, she goes all the way back. Uh, to when she watched her mother be a server at a restaurant. And it's funny, it's relatable. So uh, this clip she talks about uh, how all of a sudden one day she just decided, I've always wanted to write a book, and she was in quarantine at the time, and she just just decided, I'm doing it. So check this out. Uh, this is from episode 195 with Tanya Fritsch all of these stories start compiling. Did did you just, uh, was it stuff over years that you just collect, stories that you collected over the years or did you just sit down in the computer and just go to town?
8: Um, It was stories I collected. So when I was, I think I was like 19 or 20, I was just working a day shift somewhere. I was still serving at the time and I loved to write and I always said I wanted to write a book. And then literally in my mind, I said, well, what are you going to write about? You don't know anything. I mean, <laughs> not like you're not, you know, you, you don't have a specific thing that you're very knowledgeable about. And I said, oh, my gosh, it just clicked. I was like, you can write about this. This is the one thing you're super knowledgeable about is serving and working in the industry because you've been doing it since high school. So I started writing down my stories and they always say, write what you know. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it's a big writer thing. If you can write what you know, you'll write a book, you know, you know, you know, (laughs) Um, but I started writing my stories down in a notebook. I still have my notebook. They're all handwritten. And it wasn't until I was a few years later, I put it on the computer and I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't know how to publish it. I didn't know how to go about that at all. And honestly, during COVID was when I sat down and I said, you've always wanted to put this book together, but you keep coming up with excuses. You're so busy, you're so this. Are you gonna do it or not? You know, you keep saying you don't know how, find out how. So I had a lot of time during COVID to do this. Absolutely. (laughs) And I started researching how people publish books, how you could go the self-publisher route if no one picked up your book, how to find an editor, how to find a cover designer. And I literally went through all the steps and I said before COVID is over, I want to release this. And I released it right obviously, we're still going through COVID, but you know, through um, the lockdowns. Mm. And Ray, when we're coming out of lockdown is I think like a month later, I had it ready to go release. And it was super exciting. So just to see my notebook now and then to see, you know, my regular book, I'm like, wow. It's still weird. I I have people come into my bar asking me to sign it. And it's so cool because it's like my book.
0: (laughs) Really? You uh, you have fans come in and ask you for autographs and stuff?
8: Oh, yeah. I've had like three bars ask me if I want to do a book signing. And (laughs) I haven't done it yet because I've never done a book signing. And, you know, at first I'm thinking it's nerve-wracking. I'm like, is anybody going to show up? Is this going to be weird? And then I decided I don't care if anybody shows up because we're at a bar. And I could still have a good time (laughs) (laughs) and I'm surprised but I asked a lot of people, I said, if I had a book signing, would you show up? And a lot of people said, yeah. So I think it's because um, the city I live in too is very, the bartending scene is very close knit and everybody knows everybody. So when you know someone wrote a book, you're like, I want to get my picture and the signature because I know you. And you know, if if you do more stuff, I want to say, Hey, I was in that time with you. So it's, Raleigh, North Carolina, which is where I am, oh. is so supportive. If you have anybody in the city, it is—it's like local fans, you know, fan base for everybody. We, we encourage everybody to do whatever you want to do. It's, it's a city, but it's so close; it's crazy.
0: Okay, now this is another one of those times where my guests on my show uh, are uh, inspiring to me and fascinating to me because instead of just sitting around wondering what to do. She actually did something uh, and used her skills that she had, used the knowledge that she had, and did something with it. And, you know, it, something that some people would think of as a hobby or just something to joke around about, uh, she actually went through with it and is doing very well. So, if you want to read her book, Just the Tip, Ins and Outs of the, of the Industry, it is available on Amazon.com. Go buy it now and. Uh, I promise you, Hey Bartender Podcast, certified, you'll love it. Okay, this next clip is from episode 196, interview with uh, Vicky Magyar. Magyar, M-A-G-Y-A-R. I'm really sorry, Vicky, if I uh, butchered your last name just now. But um, I put out a question on Instagram one day asking people, first of all, do you think you eat healthy while you're at work? And sixty percent of the people answered no, and so I thought, uh, okay, that's interesting. So I put out another question: If I could find somebody to be on the show that could give you a couple hints on eating healthy, acting healthier, uh, would you uh, would you like to listen to that show? And one hundred percent of the people who voted yes or no said yes. So I follow Vicky on TikTok. Um, and I've seen her say inspiring things throughout the day, eating healthy, working out, things like that. And so I decided to contact her and uh, told her about the podcast and told her what my idea was bringing bring her on the show. And she said she's she was a server for 10 years, and I'm like, awesome. You'll have no problem relating to my uh, my community of listeners. And she says, oh, absolutely not. So uh, I got her on the show, and What you see of her on TikTok is exactly what you get when you're talking to her face-to-face. She is just this amazing woman that makes you smile. And, well, I'm not going to go off too much about that. But I digress. Uh, Here's a clip from episode 196, Healthy Tips with Vicky Magyar." Okay, so uh, let's let's start there. The reason why I brought you on this podcast is to... uh, clue some of uh, the people out there who s- still work in the service industry, things that they can do to help lead a healthier life, improve their lives a little bit. Because like you just said, I can relate to that because when I was a bartender, uh, I it was mm-hmm. eat if there's time, eat yeah. what's available. or and,
3: yeah.
0: and, and I never thought ahead enough in order to think I should pack something or, you know, it usually ended up, you know what, it's going to be fastest if he just makes me a burger and then I can just wolf that down and then get back to work. So right. what
3: That's kind of, true.
0: what kind of disciplines did you, uh, did you do uh, set for yourselves in order, uh, in order to stay in that mindset?
11: Well, at first it was, you know, I mean, I'm not going to you know, lie to you guys. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't always that way. I mean, we would come out with, if you know anything about Ruby Tuesdays, like we are known for our burgers, you know? So it's like, we're talking, you know, juicy cheese burgers with bacon and mayo and like all the fixings, you know, it's just, you're smelling it all day. And the more hunger you get, the more you want it. you're like, you know, screw my diet, right? <laughs> um, but for me, um, because of the fact that I was always an athlete, because I was someone who was always, you know, health conscious or someone who was, um, I, you know, I'd always been in the gym. I. There was times where, you know, I was like, okay, is it really worth it? You know what I mean? Like, there's other choices available. I just have to be a little bit more disciplined. But where I got really disciplined was when – two different times. One, when I decided to become a personal trainer. So um, I've had many different careers in my you know 33 years of life here on earth <laughs> but um at one point i decided i want to be a you know cert- i want to be a professional personal trainer certified so i did that and i'm like okay but i was also working part-time as a waitress and so that kind of motivates you because you're like here i am someone who is going to be an example to my clients of making healthy choices and i had clients who were in the service industry i had clients who were you know, parents, single moms, single dads who are like, you know, I need things that are going to be easy for me, easy for my family, and also easy for me on the go. So I had to get into that mindset as well, because I need to practice what I preach. Um, So that was the first time. The second time was when I decided to compete in bodybuilding. So I was a figure competitor, I did two competitions back to back. And I mean, you're paying for the suit, you're paying for the coaches, you're paying for the time in the gym. Um, you know, you're paying for your, that time on stage, the spray tan, everything. And it's like, are you really going to let it go just because you got a little bit daisy in your eating habits? Um, and so that was the motivation there. And I think at the end of the day, it all depends on like, if you really want something, you're going to do it. Right. I mean, we do things in life. We, we go, we have jobs because, well, we need money to eat. We need money to live. We need those basic needs met. So I just always, I always have that as part of my, you know, list of things in which I need to be met. So some people, and you know, I've been, I'm raising my hand right now. I know you guys can't see me, but I've been there too, where it's like, I, I push that priority aside because I feel like other things are more important than the food I'm putting in my body. But just the way we put gasoline into our car, we don't put sugar in our gas tank and, and expect it to go down the road and take us to where we need to go right? Mm-hmm. Or we don't dilute it half and half and go a little sugar, a little gas. We need a full gasoline. We need the real good stuff. So it's the same thing with our body. The more we're putting junk in, the more it's going to start to like not move and not work and create other junk inside. So when you start to see your body is that way, even in the mix of being tired and working a shift and not having a lot available or not you know, cooking a meal before you came, there's always something you can have that's a better alternative than you know, like a full large fry. and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a cheeseburger. So that's, I mean, that's just something that kind of motivates me a lot uh, or did motivate me a lot and still motivates me today.
0: Yeah. Uh, having goals seems to be your, uh, your major yeah. thing. And yeah. Uh, so set proper goals for yourself. That, that would be something that people should uh, be thinking about at least, I guess.
11: I would say, yes, yeah, set, that's, set, but here's, I, no, that's good. That's perfect. I think what may throw a lot of people off is I know people can set goals. It's, that's not an issue. Like anyone could sit down in front of a sheet of paper with a pen and, you know, and go, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to, you know, lose a couple inches or I just want to feel better and look better in my you know, clothes or whatever. Uh, but sometimes it's not, it, it's so far away that it doesn't seem attainable at the time. So I think the really important thing to do is set short little goals. Still have your major goal, like have that up there, you know, um, but almost make a timeline and say, okay, this is my major goal, but what are those short little goals that are going to keep me motivated? Because if you don't have that, then it's really easy to get discouraged. It's really easy to kind of, you know, for lack of better terms, like fall in the cracks, fall through the cracks, because you get discouraged. You, you don't see the the progress right away. And, and then it's easy to fall back into old habits. And then another thing to piggyback off of that is, it's a habit. And you know, there's so much research out there that says, I mean, I don't know if it's like 30 days, 60 days, whatever it is to create new habits in your life. Um, but the same thing as, let's say you get a new job and you have to check in at 7am and you're not a morning person, but you're like, I need this job. Yeah. You will start to train your body. To, you know, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to bed a little bit earlier so I can get up a little earlier and I'm going to set an alarm clock and I'm going to have everything set up, you know, the night before, have everything laid out. And you do those things for those reasons right and it becomes such a routine that your body gets used to it and you start to flow and before you know it a month later it's like your internal clock wakes you up at that time oh you're not so tired oh you get tired earlier in the day you go to bed you know what i mean so it's just more so being a little bit consistent and, and disciplined in the beginning and then it just revolves into your new routine right you know so yeah
0: there's you as you can see uh Vicki is very, very knowledgeable when it comes to uh, setting yourself up uh, for success. I mean, you know, all of us can set goals, but if we say uh, in five years I'm going to do this, that's a really long time. And you know, why not break that down in uh, by months or even weeks? And uh, you know, you've got that main goal at the uh, at at five years. But where do you want to be next week? Where do you want to be next month? So you know, it's very. Uh, she breaks it down so simply, and uh, she's just an amazing woman to talk to. I uh after the after we talked, we actually she is a um, she practices Brazilian jiu jitsu, and I uh, tr- uh I'm kind of learning it right now, and so she and I got uh, started talking to, about a lot of that stuff and. Um, she's one tough cookie, but she's also, uh, very inspiring and, um, she is just amazing. So go check out her TikTok or her social medias. It's slick Vic BA and, uh, you'll understand everything. I mean, listen to one episode 196 first, get an idea and then go check out her social medias because she's an amazing woman. Okay, so this next clip comes from episode uh, 197, Interview with Nikki. Now, this girl uh, came to me. She was really, really excited about uh, getting her own personal drink that she designed that she made up and having it put on her restaurant menu. And at that time I was like, well, you're not going to get off that easy. I asked her flat out, do you want to be on the show and talk about it? And she was like, oh my God, yes. And that Made me feel so good that she, uh, first of all, contacted me and told me about her great success of getting her something that's hers, something that she made, put on a menu. And uh, it made me feel really good that she was excited to be on the show to talk about it. So uh, here's a clip from episode 197, Interview with Nikki.
12: This happened very recently. So this started when I was number 20, 2021, and I'm now whatever, how old, late 20s, my parents came into the restaurant, I never tell them where I work, I hide, like I just like a little sneaky minx. Um, and I finally was like, whatever, fucking come into the restaurant, this is gonna be great, I'm gonna make you eat my shorts, I wine and dine them, it was awesome, and then but it was outside. I wasn't bar- like I wasn't bartending outside. I was bartending inside. So I was like, get him out of here. And they decided to freaking bring themselves inside. I was like, no one welcomed you here. You're supposed to sit outside. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tur-tur! no one said he could move. And uh I was doing what normal bartenders do. Freaking shaking and mixing at the same time. This is what we that's what we do. And I was, you know, chatting up with the customer, like, talking to my other bartender that's just it and all of a sudden I look at my I see a light and I turn and my dad is recording me flashing and our bar is pretty high my I'm 410 but my bar is still like almost at my chest so you have to like jump up to hit no matter what shelf, like bottom top and he's talking I can hear him talking about himself it's like she's still got her athletic she's jumping to the top like (laughs) like like a fucking mlb like a joke buck honestly and he's like i like jumped down with a bottle and i'm like pouring it and my mother's looking at me and my grandparents are there and i look at him and i'm like dad you're fucking embarrassing me (laughs) but i don't it doesn't register in my head that finally they see what i do as being a career and I am so, so, so fortunate that I started in, like, a farm-to-table California rustic restaurant and then moved up from there. And that's I need to make it very clear that it's not a bash on anyone who starts somewhere at, like, I don't know, like at a diner or a cafe, like that has nothing to do with it. But I was very fortunate to kind of like just to learn the way that those kinds of menus work. And my dad finally texted me and was just like, I'm so proud of you. I finally see, you know, that this can be something that you pursue your whole life. We know that you wanted to do wine and you worked in like the beer industry. And, you know, now you want to bartend it was it was so big it made such a big impact on the way that I feel about how I do things and it felt really good it was again it's the same way that my cocktail went on the menu it was another confirmation that I'm meant to do this I want to do this I'm gonna freaking steal that the freaking bar program from my manager once he leaves because I know he's leaving. And so you have to just, you have to have conviction. You have to say, fuck what people say. Like, I don't want a nine to five job. I get to wear like a very cute freaking outfit. I get to work weird vampire hours. Like, you have to just not give a fuck about what people think. Mm. And all of that goes away because you say, I love this job. I love the adrenaline.
0: Now, that clip, uh, I thought, was uh, truly great just because I've, uh, just like most of you that listen to this show, we work in the service industry, and people always ask us all the time, why don't you get a real job? And this is a real job, but this was coming down from her parents. Now, her parents, um, I had kind of the same thing when I was bartending that uh, they'd say, my parents would say, why don't you get a real job? But unfortunately... Uh, during my time as a bartender, my parents never came into my restaurant to see how much I enjoyed it and how good at it I was. But she was lucky enough to get that and uh, allow her parents to understand that it is truly something she loves to do. And that's the important thing about any job. You got to love what you're doing. And uh, it was just a, a lot of fun to talk to her. And you know, uh, earlier in the show, You find out that uh, she was actually, uh, she made it to the trials to go to the Olympics for weightlifting. And uh, this girl's got a lot of drive, but, you know, there's some days where she had to pick herself back up or she was nervous about something. And she was able to do it. And I admire that about her. This last clip I'm going to play you before last call comes from episode 198, interview with Corey Brim of Sugar Rim Bar. Now, in this clip, We talk about uh, his friend giving him a little bit of advice before taking over the bar. He had been a server for some time, and it was pretty worthy advice. And, you know, well, take a listen to it and uh, try to see if it uh, would help you because it's a great mindset. This guy is all business, and he's very professional. And so check it out. Uh, Here's a clip with Corey Brim. No way they're gonna think this is honest. Or you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even uh, the female servers that I used, to, uh, servers and bartenders that I used to work with, they were like, "I don't go to the bank; it, it stays home." Uh, <laughs> and then they get nervous about going to the store, paying for their groceries all in ones, and <laughs> get self conscious yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I started bartending. Man, I went from that to um, to bartending. Uh, there was a um, a guy that was training. I was I was a server. He was a trainer from another place, and he's like, dude, you make an awesome bartender. And the one thing, and now this was, man, this is, god, man, it's so long ago. The one thing, there were there were key pivotal people on my on my journey that helped me. Like the first guy when I got that job at Chili's, there was a guy named um, Jimmy Flowers. I'll never forget him. He trained me how to be a server. And this was like old school, bro. This is like, there's no there's no YouTube, there's no internet, yeah. there's no Facebook. You know what I mean? He taught me like customer service, like for, and this is at Chili's, you know what I'm saying? Like he taught me like straight up how to treat people. And I always, and I'm with him to this day. I always credit him because if he never gave me that foundation, I really don't think I would, you know, cause service is really where it's at. I mean, that's, you know, you know, whatever, whatever, we talk about, um, service is what, what we hang our hat on. Right. And that opened so many doors for me. And then there was this guy that, um, saw I was a server. He saw me being a server. He's like, dude, you make an awesome bartender. And then that guy also told me, he's like, he said, listen, um, don't ever become a bartender. He said, always be a server. You're going to be a bartender. But he said always treat people the same way you're treating people as a server Okay. okay. because bartenders have this complex, you know what I'm saying? They got the God (laughs) complex. Like, you know, no one can make a drink better than me. I'm, you know, I'm the everything and they have that thing, which is cool. But he said, if you'll go so much further, if you look at it, just like you're looking at it like a server for serving the drinks instead of the food. And that's something that always stuck with me. So I never I never became the uh and, and I don't you know I don't want to offend anybody but I never became the mixologist. You know what I mean? Like I was a uh, yeah, I a hate that man. term
0: personally. <laughs> are you a mixologist? I'm a damn bartender. What the hell? I'm a bartender,
3: man. What do want to drink? <laughs> and uh, I was making more money selling vodka cranberries instead of, you know, Saint Germain, Elderflower, whatever picking some leaf off a mountain in Japan. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, margarita. Cool. Got it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I have no problem with these people that uh, say they're mixologists and their presentation sure. of the pictures that they put up on Instagram or something like that. They're beautiful looking drinks, but it, uh, I used to work in a higher speed bar and I'm like, I wouldn't have no time to make that
3: ever. <laughs> none. none, <laughs> none, 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 none. <laughs> and how
0: often do you keep things like passion fruit in your well you know
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly
0: but uh that's cool that that's that's awesome advice uh to you know remember that you're a server uh to go behind the bar that i bet that made a huge difference
3: it's it, it, it has literally served me well all of all of these years man um one of the One of the great things that I think a lot of our clients um, really respect for uh, us is that even when we do their events, we treat them, you know, I'm not and I'm not just saying because I own the company. (laughs) really like you can't teach passion. You can't teach integrity. Like you really have to have a love for people um, to do this business, man. And the one the greatest thing that I really love about the bartending business is, dude, no matter who you are. Right. You can say that you love people and you can say that I can mix drinks and you can say all of that, but you got to get behind that bar and you got to do it. You right. know what I mean? Like this is the one thing in life that like, I mean, you can you can almost get away because like you could sort of hide, even if you were a chef, you can kind of hide your skills in the food. You can't hide it in bartending. Like you got to make the drink. Yeah. You got to make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know?
0: Like I said, this guy uh, is, uh, had a lot of people give him some great advice along the way. And he's very professional, and he's a really cool guy to talk to, honestly. After the show, we talked for quite a while, and uh, he gave me some great advice on uh, how to make this show bigger, what to do uh, to be more successful with this show. And, you know, the stuff is written down, Corey. It's going to happen, I promise. And, uh, like, he totally suggest- told me, go video. And um, I'm hoping... With, uh, with the next hundred episodes or so that I will get a stronger YouTube presence. Uh, and, you know, try to bring Hey Bartender podcast uh, a little bit uh, more out to the masses, gain some, uh, gain some more listeners be, and get some more cooler guests because this is fun as hell to do. And uh, as, as you've heard in the last two episodes, I've got some really kick-ass guests at, that have some great stories and, and I'd love to hear more from the rest of the people out there because there are tons of people out there that have great stories about working in the service industry and uh, and beyond. I mean, sure, some the, everybody out there has started off somewhere. You got to start somewhere in life, and not you know, act, uh, Ryan Reynolds was lucky enough to uh, become an actor right away. But some of the people, as you've uh, heard in past guests, they've uh, had to spend their time waiting tables before they uh, got their dream job of being an actor or a musician, or they had to wait tables while they were going to school to become that brilliant software engineer or engineer of any kind. It's all got to start somewhere. And I love hearing these stories, especially when they have a great... Uh, a great story about how they reached their goal at the end. And it's, this is, this is just a lot of fun to do. And I'm not saying you have to, you know, move on to be uh, the next uh, Ryan Reynolds or uh, Angelina Jolie or whatever. Uh, I mean, Bruce Willis, he started out as a bartender. You don't, you don't have to be the next uh, big, big thing in social media or, uh, uh, engineering or something like that. It, uh, if you enjoy being a server or a bartender, then for fuck's sake, be a server or a bartender because it's the old saying: you love what you do, and you'll do what you love. And it's uh, it goes it goes for everything. But sometimes you gotta, uh, uh, as you've heard in other stories, you've gotta go with the punches first before your dream happens, but don't ever lose track of that dream. Keep it right there on your shoulder where you can always see it and, you know, maybe uh, have a picture of it, your dream on your wall. And that way, every day you look at it, every night you look at it and just say, well, remind yourself, I'm working towards that. And a lot of the people that I've had on my show are just that, you know, they, uh, I mean, they said they wanted to be an author. They're an author now. They said they wanted to run their own business. They're running their own business right now. It's that pretty much easy. And, you know, uh, just like when I started this podcast, I sat back and I thought, I want to start a podcast. What do I want to do about it? And I, you know, kept listening to other people's podcasts and thinking that's pretty cool. That's, uh, that's a neat way to do it. And then all of a sudden, it became well. What do I want to talk about? What am I passionate about? And uh, talking with people or talking about my own personal stories—it's uh, of being in the service industry was the most fun that I thought I could talk about. Uh, but you know, keep uh, keep your eye on the prize, and uh, you know, you will get there eventually. Because the, when the, a podcaster that I talked to when I was maybe oh, say 15 episodes into this, he told me, just keep at it. Eventually, things will start coming to you. Great advice I got from that guy. But anyway, people, it is last call. Last call for alcohol on the 200th point five episode of Hey Bartender podcast. You, as usual, you guys absolutely rock. Okay, so right now I'm going to take a second to Uh, Give a shout out to some of the bigger supporters on my Instagram page. Uh, It's at HeyBartenderPodcast. You guys have uh, followed along with me, and you've encouraged me a lot. Here's just a few of those names. I know I didn't get all of them, but here we go. At LeaveYourSword, you've uh, liked a ton of my posts, and I appreciate you following me this whole time. At Chino's underscore barbecue, at Burgundy's underscore tail, at bartender books at mixo underscore brewer at slightly De- derailed at so Cali bartenders. All of you people that are friends with boogie lives it sits and listens to podcasts with them at Mia Torres online at underscore J O A R underscore uh pinch underscore point 1980 Heather N G 27 Reese Wright gunner gray wolf may 71 and BS Looper. Oh, and The Bartender Dad. You guys have been also very awesome of uh, liking my posts and making mention that my shows are coming up. I uh, You are only some of the people that are on there, but thank you so much for your support, and I'd love to do more shout-outs a little bit later. But for now, this, hour, this show's gone on way longer than you, my usual shows go, so we're going to end it here. Also, Huge, big, absolutely universal thank you to Laura Hope and the Arctones for letting me use their uh, song for the theme song for Uh, Hey Bartender podcast, Dr. Bartender. Remember, you can find their music on Spotify, iTunes. Go check them out. They are an awesome rockabilly band. I mean, come on. You listen to that song when it comes up. Doesn't that make you a little bit happy? Come on, please. But that's it for the 200th.5 episode of Hey Bartender podcast. I appreciate and love every single one of you and as usual, like I've said the last 200 times, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness, and don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. I think I need drink. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got here.